young child, I remember uh, going to church every week with my family. And, uh, you know, we went to kids' church, and, and that, we called it Sunday school. That's what we had with Sunday school. We still had the old school name there. And each week you had the opportunity to, to, to join a giving, and they had, each classroom had these little, like, tin cans. So like these little tin can with like the slot on the top. And I always just love being able to go and put like my dollar or my change into that, that tin can slot. And, you know, I wish that I could say it was because I just I had this incredible revelation of giving as just a child that I'm going to impart to you today. But I, I didn't. I really just liked participating because everybody else was doing it. And then you got to shake the can and hear the change like, you know, shaking around in it. The other reason it was actually really fun to give is because usually I wasn't giving my own money. I conveniently forgot before I left for church to grab some money out of my own piggy bank. So, you know, right before Sunday school, I'd stop at the bank of dad and be like, hey, dad, I need something to give. And, you know, so he'd dig. And, you know, if I was lucky, maybe he'd give me a dollar out of his wallet. Or he'd dig into this, like, I don't know. Did anybody else have a dad with the impossibly deep pocket of change always? Like, like never, like a portal to the bank just filled it constantly. I never knew him to not have just a ton of, of, of like, like change in there. So maybe I get a quarter or two in there and I get to, get to take that with him. But that was, that was my opportunity to give and to be generous as a child. And today we're going to continue this series, Wholehearted Generosity. And we're going to talk about this, this whole idea of God's plan for our money. Now, I know that's, that's a topic that can, that can make us start to feel a little uncomfortable. You know, suddenly everybody's remembering an appointment that they forgot about, that they got to just duck out. You know, I'm talking about money again. I got to duck out of here. You know, there's, maybe there's other topics that would be better, right? There's other topics we could talk about. Maybe that would be less uncomfortable. We could talk about prayer, for example, right? Prayer is a great topic. We know that God cares about prayer. He wants us to do that a lot. There's like 500 verses in the, in the Bible about prayer. So we know, like, we would all agree that God thinks prayer is an important topic, right? Maybe faith, Faith the same way. There's like 500 verses in the Bible about faith. And, and, and faith is so important to how we live out our walk and our journey with Jesus. Those are all very important. And, and we know God does care deeply about every part of our lives, right? He cares about all of it, including our finances. You know how many verses there are about money and possessions in the Bible? 2,000. 2,000, that's four times as much as those other topics that we all agree are really important topics for our life. So I think we might be missing something if we don't stop and spend some time talking about this thing, uh, this, this topic of, of money and generosity. See, money's everywhere, right? We, we can't, we can't get, you cannot get away from it in some form or another. Uh, you need it. You need money to eat, to have a home, pay bills, to travel. The list just goes on and on. It's woven into the very fabric of our lives. You know, I can look back over probably the last 30 years of my life and say, you know, I spent a lot of that time, you know, working for money, spending my time, my waking hours, thinking about what I needed to do, how I needed to work, and it was about making sure I had money so I could do all those other things that I wanted to be able to do, right? Early on, right, you're mowing lawns, you're bussing tables, I'm working on an assembly line, and Eventually, you know, go to college, and then you're working on your career after that. There's all this time that we spend going after it. As adults, it's, it's a huge part of our life. A huge part of our life is spent uh, making money or thinking about how we're going to spend our money, right? It's one of those two, right? We're either making money or spending money or we're thinking about how we're going to do one of those two things. So it's vitally important that whether we want it to be or not, right, money's just there. For many of us, we, we've adopted maybe this motto of, you know, we don't talk about money, no, no. <laughs> Can you believe Kyle won't let me be on the worship team? <laughs> I'm the senior pastor. I should, be, I should have some clout. And they're like, no, it's a screeching cat. You should just go blend somewhere. It's, it's fine. You don't want me to, you don't actually want me to be on there. That would be bad for all of us. So if you don't know what that little song <clears throat> line was, just go to Kingdom Kids. Say the name Bruno. See what happens. 
If you don't have, if you don't have Disney or Disney Plus, you know, that you'll, if you have it, you know, and if you don't, just be careful. Maybe you don't want to go down to Kingdom Kids. Just keep it out of your head. It won't, it won't get out. Well, see, this, this issue, though, of money, it brings up these issues sometimes. It, it can bring up issues of, like, shame. It can bring up issues of guilt. Maybe because of what's happened in our own relationship with money. We've mismanaged our money. Maybe we have a bad history with money. Maybe we haven't had anybody who's ever taught us uh, how to deal with it. Maybe we're in a rough financial situation and we feel hopeless and ashamed. And for others, there's this area that, that you just, like, there's an area of control around this idea of money. You want, you want to know, you know how you want to decide how to use it, how you want to spend it. And, and, and it's, it's, it's hard because money, is, it deeply impacts so much of our life. God cares about finances. And, and when, we, when we don't know his plan, what happens is, is we, we, we pull back. We, we think it's like, well, what's going on? How do we, how do we figure this out? Have you ever thought about God's financial plan? Actually, like, like he actually has a, I mean, we hear that God has a plan for my life. Did you know that God has a financial plan? Have we ever even thought about that? And sometimes for me, I know growing up, it was one of those things that was, it felt like kind of a mystery. I wasn't really sure what it was. I knew how I wanted to spend my money, especially when I started earning my own money. I wasn't just getting dad's money. Well, that was a lot harder to give, man. It was a lot less joyful in the process of being able to shake the can and see it go past me, right, and give it away. Because I didn't understand it fully. It felt like you're trying to guess and, and you're not quite sure what you're doing. So when we feel like we're in that place of what is God's blessed blessing for us, it can feel mysterious. It can feel like I, I just don't know. In fact, I have a video that we can watch. I think that it highlights this idea of just like this mystery a little bit well. You find the money, you get to keep it. Okay. Ready? Where is it? There you go, pull it. Uh, this one. You get to keep it. Let's go. Holy you did not just do that to me. <laughs> Every, everybody just felt that in their gut right there, right? Like, oh, man. Do you ever feel like that with God's plan sometimes? Like, oh, God, didn't you, you didn't tell me about that one. What about that cup? How didn't I know about that blessing? Why, why were you holding back? Why did, it, why did that guy's father, why didn't he tell him about all those other cups that are in there? Like, we can get into that place in, in our own relationship with money when we don't understand God's plan. And when it feels like it's a mystery, what happens is we, we fall back into this thing we talked about last week, this scarcity mindset. And scarcity mindset, the answer, essentially that's a place of fear. We're not going to have enough. And so what we do when we try to counteract that is we begin to try to control it. So we're like, well, I'll decide. I'm going to decide what I'm going to do with this. I'm going to control this. I'm going to understand it. And quickly we kind of push God outside the picture when it comes to our finances. And this is, this is really detrimental because when, when we push that thing to the side, it, it's, not very, it's not very often that we actually keep control, right? In fact, it almost never happens. When we think we're going to control our own money, what happens is money begins to control us. We're going to talk a little bit more of that later today. And today, we, we, we want to explore this idea today of God's good plan for our money. He does have a plan, and he can be trusted. He actually wants us to, to teach us about it so that we can understand who we are. We want to understand what it means to embrace this idea of wholehearted generosity so we can have freedom and joy and peace in, in all areas of our lives, including our finances. Now, last week, uh, Julie, she talked about this, I, this, this idea that God wants to establish a new way for us to think about money and generosity, right? A new mindset around this, that God's good and generous. He can be trusted. He's a good host, and we get to be, be, be at his party, right? 
And over the next two weeks, we're going to explore this idea of, of God's plan. And when we talk about God's plan, there's, there's two things that we need to understand. There's two, two legs to it, two sides to the coin of God's plan. There's generosity and there's stewardship. So those are the kind of the two ideas that we're going to talk about today. And today we're going to, we're going to focus on this idea of generosity. And then next week we're going to talk some about more about this idea of stewardship. And they're, they're kind of integrated and tied together. But we'll, well, those are the two places we're going to concentrate a little bit today. Um, and so again, when we, how we view generosity is, is so important, right? We need, we need both sides of God's plan. But when we start with this place of generosity, we have to understand who God is. And that, that may seem strange. Like, well, why don't we just talk about God? See, we have to understand who God is. Because it's from the place of who God is that it flow, the plan flows out from that. That's how we understand who God is and how it flows from that place. So when we understand more fully who God is, we'll actually understand better how he, when, how he, how he is and how he operates. Then we can under, better understand his plan. See, God doesn't want his plan to be a mystery. He doesn't want it to be hidden behind the three cups and, and we're just hoping that we guess right. That's not who he is. See, that, that hiding thing, that's, that comes from our enemy Satan. That's who likes to hide, Right? See, our enemy loves to conceal, but God loves to reveal. That's who he is. And it says that right there in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12. Uh, it talks about this. It says, but it's, it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. This is a great promise. See, the Holy Spirit, who he is, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, he is the revealer of all of God's wisdom, and we need him to show us these deep mysteries of God. The Holy Spirit invites us to come to know who the Father really is so we can understand his plans for us. So he's going to reveal that, and we're actually going to ask the Holy Spirit, come right now. Come, bring your wisdom, bring your revelation of who you are so we can understand your plan and how you operate. So let's talk about this idea of who is God, especially in this relation to this wholehearted generosity. There's three things that we're going to, the three aspects of God, three characteristics we're going to talk about today. The first is, the, the three are creator, redeemer, and rewarder, Okay. God as creator, God as redeemer, and God as rewarder. Those are the three things we're going to talk about. So we're going to start with this idea of God as the creator. And each of these aspects is going to help reveal a better understanding of his plan and his plan and how it flows into his financial plan. But honestly, it flows into all parts of who we are and how he operates with us. So God is creator. This is, is pretty straightforward. God created everything, right? Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created it all. Humans Earth, sky, animals, human, uh, uh, all of it. And finances are included in that. Finances are included in that because God knew that humanity would need some sort of transactional system in order to operate, in order to do, to do work together. He understood that. So the finances falls under the things that God is creator. And when we think about God as creator, think of him as owner. He's the person who created. He is the owner of those things. In fact, Psalm 24.1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. See, God, he's good. And he generously shares this world that is his with us, right? Julie talked about last week. He's, he's a generous host and he's invited us to the party. But here's the beautiful thing. In that creation, he didn't just invite us to the party. He actually assigns us a role. He assigns us a role to be a steward of the things that he owns, right? We're God's stewards. He put mankind in charge. And so when we, he, he charged us with stewarding all of these, all of creation, 
That was, his, that was his, his charge to us in creation. Part of being created in God's image was to be stewards so we could steward the things of his. That's what we get to do. God's the owner, we're the stewards. That means all the money is already God's. So we have to understand this ownership standpoint to move forward. We are simply stewarding those resources he's provided us in the first place. We have to stop viewing all of our money as our money and view it as God's money with us partnering with him and how to steward that money. This is a big deal, right? I actually probably had a better picture of God's, of God's stewardship uh, and, and financial plan when I was back in Sunday school and I was, I was getting that money from my father. It was easy to give it away because I understood who it was. It wasn't mine to start with. That was an easy way to grasp and understand that's the picture that God wants us to, to understand. We live as a steward, right? So we see God as creator, and next we want to see God as redeemer. Well, what, is this? what does that mean to be God as, as redeemer? Well, a redeemer is the one who he, he buys back or he, he restores what was lost or he takes what was meant for harm and he redeems it uh, for good. Like that's, that's what a redeemer does. He brings good from that which might have meant harm. And understand why God is, is a redeemer, we go back again to the beginning of the story. We go back to Adam and Eve and, and, and what we call the, the fall, when sin entered into the picture of humanity and, and chaos began to be broken loose in that because it, it was a disruption to God's intended for, intention for creation. So God was redeemer because humanity desperately needed to be redeemed uh, from that place of sin. So you, you see God as redeemer, is this, that thread as redeemer is woven all throughout the story of the Bible. It's a huge part of the story uh, that we get there. And we see what, is God, what are the principles that God uses in part of this redemption process. Well, one of the ways we do that is that we talk, uh, when we look at God's chosen people, Israel. It gives us a picture of some of God's principles in this. And so when, whenever, one of the things that they were required to do was to bring their, their offerings and sacrifices to the temple, right? This was part of a, an ongoing redemptive process that, that was there before Jesus entered the picture as we see in the New Testament. And so when they did that, what, what God was asking them to do was to bring their firstborn or their first fruits. And what does that mean, that first fruits? It's kind of a, just a, kind of, we don't use that, that term typically, but in a, in, a, in a farming or agrarian economy, that first fruit is simply like, what's the first of your harvest? What's the first of that which you bring in? And so that was a, that was a part of what they did. They bring the first fruits of their harvest and they bring it to the Lord in the temple. In the same way, if you were a shepherd, you bring your, your, the firstborn lamb. That was your first fruits uh, was that, that picture of bringing like a lamb or the, the, the animal that you were going to bring in. In fact, that's the picture like, of Jesus as the, as the lamb, right? The unblemished lamb. That was a part of that picture that you see was because of what was, being, was happening in that process. So that was a very common language that you would see. So when God is redeemer, we look at that process, what did he do? Who did he send us? He sent us Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the firstborn, first fruits of God. That's who Jesus is. So he's, he's consistent with the way that he lays out that principle. In fact, we see this in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 and 23. It says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, and then when he comes, those who belong to him. See, when, when, when Adam sinned, all of humanity is corrupted because Adam also is, is a picture of a firstborn or a firstfruit. So when sin enters the picture through him, what follows is corrupted by that same sin nature. That copy of humanity becomes broken. So Jesus comes in and he has to reset humanity and he comes as God's first fruit. 
unblemished, and holy. And because of Jesus, we too can be made new and redeemed, unblemished and holy, made righteous or right with God. Because the first fruits are blessed, what follows after becomes blessed. You understand? You're getting this principle that God, that's God's putting in place. This is that redemption side of what God's doing. The first fruits are blessed and what follows comes after. So Jesus gave himself so we could be redeemed, right? That's what it means. We talk about salvation, right? The, the Greek word for salvation is sozo. Uh, if you're not familiar with that word, it, it simply is a, the, the idea of that is this wholeness or completeness that's made. So in our salvation, we are made whole and complete in every realm, and that includes our finances. So God's a redeemer. He's made a way for us to be made new. He gave that first fruit sacrifice so that we can be completely set free. That's who he is. So we see God as creator who owns it all and the redeemer who models for us what it means to give our first fruits. That's, that's the first two. And now we're going to look at God, who is God as the rewarder. So creator, redeemer, and now rewarder. See, God does want to provide for us. We have to understand who God is. He wants to reward us with blessings that flow from him and to us. See, he didn't send this lavish gift of Jesus, and Jesus was an incredible gift. The gift of his firstborn, the gift of his son. He didn't send that lavish gift and then was stingy with everything that followed after. That's not who God wants to be. And sometimes we, we can have that picture of God in our mind as like the stingy, we just doles out a little bit at a time, and, and we kind of have to really fight for the scraps. So we, we want to see God instead as, as a good father. Because as a father, I want to I see my kids lavishly blessed. I don't want to spoil them, but I want to see them blessed. I want to see them rewarded for behavior that I want to encourage and I want to see more of. That's who I am as a natural father. Of course God wants, is a good father, and he wants to see the same for us. So when God sees generosity and stewardship, his two, those, those two legs, being embraced, he loves to reward us. He's not against wealth. He's not against you prospering, but we can sometimes see it as like, oh, it's a tax. He's just trying to take, so he takes everything, and when I get something good, he wants to take it away. That's not who God is. That's like when I see you embracing those things that I've put in place in my plan, I can trust you with more. In fact, we see this, this played out in the parable uh, of the talents that Jesus shares with us in Matthew 25. And I'm not going to read all of this. I'll give you a, like, the brief synopsis of this. This is a parable, a story that, that Jesus shared uh, uh, with those who were following him at the time. And it, it kind of highlights this idea. And in the story, there was a master who had three servants, right? The first servant he gave, or he gave each of them a gift. And the first servant he gave five bags of silver. Second, he gave two bags of silver, and the last one he gave one bag, right? And in this, the, the master says, I'm going to leave, and I want you to steward this, right? So again, master, see it, he's the owner. He's leaving his, his servants with these gifts. He says, I want you to steward them. So he leaves. After a time, he comes back. He says, okay, what happened? The first servant says, hey, I doubled your money. Went from five to ten. That's awesome. Second servant, same thing. Hey, I doubled your money. This is awesome. The last servant, he got scared when he got that money. He didn't know what to do with it. He hid it away. So he pulls it back out, he hands it back to him, so he gives him back all of his money, but he did nothing with it. He didn't steward it. He didn't understand the assignment that God had given him. In fact, Matthew, and Jesus says in Matthew 25, 29, he says this, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And we see that happen in this story. God gives more. They will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. See, God loves to reward those who are following his finance plan because he knows he can trust them to steward more. And we see in that parable, if you go back and look, what he does with each one is he gives them from the, the one who didn't steward, he gives that money to the ones who did. Because he knows they'll steward it well. He'll see more from that because they're following his plan. Okay, so that's who God is, right? He is creator, he is redeemer, he is rewarder. 
So that establishes this understanding of who he is and how he likes to operate. And now we see that play out in, in this idea of tithes and offerings. We heard us talk about tithes and offerings. We heard us talk about it right before uh, I came up here. But this is an important part of who we are. And I want to I explain it as, as, as simply and plainly as I can because sometimes I think there's, there's confusion right here. But first of all, I, I just want to stop. As, as, as your senior pastor, this is not a coercion to give. If you come away from this message feeling like you are obligated to follow the rules of giving and that's the heartbeat with which you do it, I have failed. And I would prefer that you actually didn't. Because this is about a heart posture with God. This isn't about me here, standing here because we're desperately, we, we need your money so much, the church is hurting. It's not. Every bill is paid. Every bill has always been paid. God loves his church and I know he will continue to provide generously for it. That's who we are. I would be remiss not to talk about this topic because it has so drastically affected my life. It affects every part of who you are. And most of you are going to leave here today thinking about what you have to do this week to go earn your money. I would be remiss not to talk about God's plan because it so affects who we are and what we do every single day. That's why we want to talk about this topic. God loves us. He loves you. And it's all about where our heart aligns with him. That's all about it. Everything we talk about, the principles, we talk about prayer and we talk about faith, it's about how our heart aligns with the Father. That's the heartbeat of what we're sharing with. So I want that to be clear. I don't ever want you to feel like you've been battered or, or harassed into doing this. I want you to catch the heartbeat of God's generosity. When we understand who he is, what does Genesis say when God created man? He created us in his image, right? So we are to be reflectors of who he is. So his plan reflects him. Our actions reflect who he is. That's who we are. So generosity, when we talk about that, that's the first part of God's plan. Biblically, when we talk about that, we talk about this idea of tithe. What's tithe? It's a really churchy word for 10%. Okay? That's what it is. And it's in the Bible. It's, it's tithe that just means one-tenth. That's, that's what that means. So when we talk about that, we say, okay, we believe God wants us to give 10% of our income back to God through the local church because that's the way he designed it. Okay? Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best, and your barns will burst, and your wine vats will brim over. Now, I know most of you don't have a barn. You probably don't have wine vats either. So I think you get the symbolic picture of what he's trying to do here, right? He wants to bless us beyond what we can imagine. We, he wants us to honor him first, right? We honor God with the first and the best, and then there's a promise. You'll have plenty. So when we participate in his good plan by giving our first fruits back to him, we give God that first 10%. And then the promise is what? What follows, that other 90%, is blessed. Right? Again, we're seeing that pattern of who God is in that, in that place because God is the creator. He's the owner. So we give him what's owed to him first. That's part of that stewardship. We see God as owner. God is the owner and we are the stewards. He's the host. We're the guests. That's what we get to do. Right? It was a lot easier for me to give that money in Sunday school when it was my dad's. Right, In the same way, it's a lot easier when we understand whose this money is that we're just giving him what's already his and what he asked of us to do. That's the principle that we're trying to, the mindset that we want to understand as we give a wholehearted generosity. See, we can't serve two masters. This is another reason God asks us to follow his plan. We can't, we can't have, have money be our master and still say that we're following God wholeheartedly. God never takes second place. He is a God of first place, a first place in our hearts, and he's first place in our finances. That's the way God wants to work because he knows that's actually going to be the best for you. 
if money takes first place or we say we're going to control it on our own, right? We held our wallet outside the baptism tank and everything else got baptized except that wallet, right? I'm going to hold on to that. <laughs> we, we, we live in that place. Money will always be the thing that actually controls us in that situation. We can think that we have control of it, but it will be the thing that drives it. It will be the thing that has authority, right? That's important. So when we think about first fruits, so this idea of the tithe, tithing first fruits interchangeable. That's the way we think of it. So when we hear that first fruits idea and principle in the Bible, think that's today is our tithe. That's what we're talking about. Because just as he redeemed the world through Jesus, who was the first fruits, he's the redeemer of our financial world in the same way. When the first fruits are given to the Lord, the money that follows is blessed, right? Again, we're seeing the pattern of who God is, how he operates, and how he works. And there's this, this the idea of tithing. It doesn't just come by itself. It actually comes with a promise. And we know God keeps his promises. Uh, and we can see in Malachi 3.10, he says this about the tithe. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven army, I will open the window of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So today when we look at that, we hear that storehouse, the temple, that's the local church, right? That's where we're bringing our tithes today. And so again, we see that the tithe, it's tied explicitly to a promise. This isn't Mike's promise. It's not the vineyard's promise. This is God's promise that's in his word. It's specifically tied to a promise. And we see that because God is who? He is a rewarder. And that's who we want to see as God as rewarder. He promises to pour out blessings beyond what we can take in when we take a hold of that promise and live out our life from there. We're invited to try it out. We're invited to test God in this place of the tithe. Again, I can't make, I can't make this up. I'm not trying to make this up. This is what the Bible says. This is where that promise is, lies, is in that tithe, in that 10%. So that tithe is that starting point, right? When a generosity piece, when we talk about generosity, tithe is that starting point. And, and, and it's the starting point for us to brace that wholehearted generosity of God's financial plan. But you know, you've heard us talk about tithes and offerings, right? Well, what, what's an offering then? Well, offering is anything beyond that tithe, right? The tithe is simply saying, God, that's yours. I've, right? That's yours. You're owed that. Offerings are different. Offerings are what we say is above and beyond that. Offerings are where we get to begin to partner with God in saying, where do you want this to go? How do you want me to exercise the generosity that you showed to us? to reflect your image to the world around us. Maybe that's blessing somebody around you. Maybe that's, that's giving to a specific cause. It's, it's things like the holiday offering that we love to do around here between Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? That holiday offering is something where we're saying, hey, God, we believe you've called us to partner with some specific places around our community uh, and, and across the world. And so we're going to partner with you through an offering. Again, that's where we get to participate in a different way. So there's ties and there's offerings. Now, here's my challenge to you today. Put Jesus to the test. How do you put Jesus to the test, you might ask? Well, if you're not giving, then you can start. That's the first place. His plan isn't actually that mysterious. His plan isn't actually that hard to grasp. It's actually a pretty simple plan, right? right? The, the, the tithe is where we start, but that might feel incredibly intimidating to some. It might feel impossible. Well, where, do you, where can you start? Because I promise you there is so much grace in this process. There's so much grace in the journey that God wants to take you on. Now, again, the promise is tied to the 10%. That's where you want to go. But God is with you on the journey to get there. So maybe you start with 1% or 2% or 5%. But your goal is to hit that space. Maybe you're like, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go all in. Give it 10%. Try it for three months. See what happens. 
Try it for three months if you're not doing it right now. See what happens. But I need you to journal it. Write down what God does in your life, what God does in your finances, what God does in your relationships, and, and say, see what happens whenever you align your heart with God's plan. I am so confident that, that what God wants to bring in favor and blessings, that you will see it. Again, not my promise, God's promise. That, that's what I want you to understand. But in all of this, again, it's about heart posture. Our heart posture is that we want to align our hearts with the heart of the Father. We don't give so that we can get. We understand that we get to give. That's the mindset change. That's where our heart posture changed. As I began this personally, get this, this revelation of generosity, that's where my heart posture began to change. From an obligation to a, wow, this is an amazing God. It's amazing how much it freed me from places of greed, from places of hoarding, of scarcity. Because suddenly I knew I was participating in his plan and I didn't have to worry about those other things, worry about what I wasn't doing right. When it stopped being a mystery, the unknown is always so much bigger than what is known. Don't let this God's plan be a mystery in your life. Don't let the enemy hide it as a mystery. It, this, the, the point of all this is not to get rich quick. It's not a get rich quick scheme. This isn't the prosperity gospel. Don't try to like, twist it into that. That's not what it is. Your life will not be free from challenges. Our life will not be free from challenges until we're in heaven with Jesus, okay? Let's just get that straight, right? Julie talked about that a little bit last week. That's not what this is about. This is about aligning our heart with God's plan, with putting our finances under the authority of Jesus so that they no longer have authority over us. That's the point of what we're trying to do here. Wholehearted generosity means our whole life is in submission to Jesus so that all of his rewards can be poured out in every part of our life. I'm going to read one more incredible promise from 2 Corinthians 9. It says this, And God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. These promises are all through the Bible. He wants you to have everything that you need. We have to understand who he is, creator, redeemer, and rewarder. So what does this look like lived out? How does someone even begin to start this journey? Well, and, and it can be an overwhelming thing to think about how to start, but it, only, it starts with just one step at a time. And, and I want to tell you a story, I think, that highlights this well. This is the story uh, of Lamar and Tanya Schrock, who are a part of our church here. Now, Lamar was actually raised, he was raised, they both grew up in the Arthur area. They was raised, he was raised in the Amish faith, right? So this is a little bit different. They taught differently uh, about God's plan for finances. It wasn't really taught in the way that we understand it. There was generosity was an important part of it, but it, but it looked differently. It wasn't actually uh, played out the same. They would often gather funds to pay a hospital bill for somebody else or, or pay if there was loss of property. Uh, in some ways, he, he explains that it was kind of like an insurance policy. You, gotta get, you gave to make sure that when you needed it, you would get what you needed too. Now, Tanya, uh, Tanya actually, I, and I actually grew up together. Uh, we actually grew up in the, in the same Mennonite church uh, growing up where, again, people were, were, were generous and they understood some of God's plan, but it wasn't explicitly taught and understood in the same way. So neither came in with a full understanding of this. So when they got married, they weren't really thinking much about God's plan for their finances. You know, they were busy with jobs and work and all the things that you do with work. Finances were clearly a part of it, but it wasn't really thinking about God's plan. And, and there, was, there was lots of struggle. There was places they were trying to find ways to pay the bills and all of that. And eventually they actually did start, they started attending the vineyard uh, many years ago. And when they did, that, they, they began to hear about tithing and offering regularly, but it was just still a struggle. Like they, they expressed it was a struggle just to get that $20 in each week, right? It's like, oh, it's just, it was hard to see because they didn't understand why and they understand where it was going. Why, why would they have to do this? But one Sunday, Lamar recalls that he vividly remembers that Happy, our founding pastor and my father-in-law, 
He shared that to truly give the first fruits, we should tithe off of the gross and not the, de- the net. And I'm pretty sure Lamar was about ready to spit out his coffee when he heard that. That seems crazy. So he, he went home and he, him and Tiny began to talk about this and really began to, uh, to, to question this, but they began to actually study what was God's plan. And as they did, God brought them to a place where they said, okay, you know what? We are going to commit to this. We're going to commit to tithing. And it was really hard to start. Like they, they wanted to be intentional. Like they set a line item in their budget and they said, we're going to do this, but I don't know how we're going to make it to the, to the end of the month. But over and over, each month, they found that they had more than enough at the end of each month. That God provided, that he was, he was faithful in that. And so they, 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 they understood that obedience began, they began to catch a, an understanding of that. Well, then a few years later, after they'd kind of developed this trust for obedience, uh, the opportunity came where the church was, was needing to expand at the time. Actually, we're expanding here in this space we're in right now. In this space, it was growing. We needed more, more room. And there was an opportunity, an invitation to step into a, an opportunity for offering, right, beyond that tithe. They're like, okay, well, this is going to be a little bit stretchy, but God's stretching, but God's been faithful in this tithe, so we're going to ask God, okay, what's, the, what's that number? What's that number? That's a scary question to ask God. That's a scary question. I've, I've, I've had to ask God that question multiple times, and I never, I never want to. Even now, I'm like, God, you're not saying now again. Because every time, he keeps stretching us in this journey. But he's been faithful all along. You know, he, he, he stretches. Now it's not just 10%. It's, hey, build in an offering beyond that 10%. That's how he wants to stretch us. And that's how he was asking Lamartania to be stretched. And so they asked God, what was that number? And he kind of surprised them with the number. And it felt, it felt pretty, in that moment, it, it felt like a lot. But they said, okay, we're going to do it. And, it. and it felt like it was going to stretch them beyond what they could do. But they obeyed because they'd seen God's fruit in their obedience and tithing, right? So their hearts had become aligned with where God's plan was at. So as they gave of their first fruit, God overflowed their, their barn. They've seen provision time and time again. They've been in job opportunities that they were not the ideal candidates for. They had business opportunities that were unexpected and yet very fruitful. And they've had countless blessings of good health, of bills that didn't come. Sometimes God's generosity looks like the bills that never show up. And cars that ran forever and the list that goes on and on. So we don't give because God lacks anything, Lamar says. We give because he asks us to trust him. Tithing is the tangible declaration of your love and trust in the Father God. We give offerings as we obey what he invites us to give. And sometimes we get to personally help someone. Sometimes we get to see the fruits of our giving. But many times we give in faith that God will use it for his kingdom in ways that we may never know. But we do so with great joy because he is truly worthy of it all. Thank you, Tommy Lamar, for letting us share your story. That's a good story, isn't it? Good testimony. And you saw the steps. It was just, it was one step after another. It was one, one opportunity taken. It was ask and obey what God had for them. And as they aligned their hearts with God's plan, he aligned their hearts with his. And each step became easier than the last because that's who God always wants to work. So God is faithful. And, and, you, and if, if you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, I missed my opportunity. I want to start today. You can do it. You can start anytime. Online giving is always an option. You can do that whether you're online or here. There's boxes in the back on your way out. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to start with God? Are you willing to ask God what his next step is for you in this place of generosity? And as we close, we're going to move into a time of worship. And this is what you understand about understanding who God is, Right? This act of giving or worship is an act of giving, right? 
It's a giving of the first fruits of our praise, of our thanks, of our honor to the Father, right? To Jesus. That's our opportunity to give. And we do it here. The first part of our week, we're giving our time, we're giving our praise, we're giving our energy, and we're giving to one another because that's who God is. He's a generous God. He gives in those first fruits. So worship is the, the first fruits of that honor and thanksgiving to God. So that's a way that we get to participate today in this place of understanding who God is just as we participate in the act of giving and generosity that we get to do today. So I want, if you want to start that wholehearted journey, I encourage you to do it because I know that you will have testimonies. And if you're just starting, I promise, write it down. <clears throat> write down the day, write down what happens, journal what's happening, because I want to hear the testimonies because I know there will be testimonies. If you participate in God's plan, he is faithful and he will show up. And you will have stories of God's faithfulness in your life. That's how confident I am in that. You can join him in wholehearted generosity in every part of your life. Will you pray with me today? Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you are so generous with us with everything that we have with every part of our life, God. And so, God, right now, we want to be generous with our praise. We want to be generous with every part of our life as we worship you, God, as we thank you for all that you are. Would you come and join us as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll be back up in a few minutes to do some ministry time, but this team's going to lead us through some awesome worship right now.